Welcome church. I'm Mike Davis and I'm so glad that you're here today to worship with us. You know, it was over one year that my brother called me from Jamaica and said, listen, Mike, dad is in the hospital and he suffered a stroke. I was very devastated. I was so in despair, anxious. I didn't know what to do. But then I was reminded of a scripture, Psalms 34, that says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. But then the scripture transitioned and it said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fear. I was so comforted in those words. I began to sing and I began to meditate on that. You know what that brought to me? It brought a hopeful anticipation that something good would happen if I would just focus on worshiping God. Are you there today? Are you in trouble, despair, frustration? You do not know where to turn or what to do? Well, friends, God is here with us. Won't you join us today as we worship him in spirit and in truth?
the darkness, you're the light that guides me through, our eyes are on you, you are near to the broken, that we find the strength in you, our eyes are on you. In the madness, your peace becomes my soul. Our eyes are on you. You bring hope to the hopeless. Your love won't let go. Our eyes are on you. Yeah. We lift our eyes to you. to the hopeless, you're the love it won't 
Well, hey friends, as we get ready to lean into a brand new series that we're calling Rejuvenated, I thought it'd be a, a great time as we enter into a time of prayer to be reminded of one of God's greatest gifts that he's given to us, and that's the gift of Sabbath. Every seven days, God instructs us to take a breather and to position ourselves to receive refreshment from him and, and from connecting with family and friends. The Sabbath is this weekly reminder that we have physical, emotional, and spiritual limits and that it is good and proper to become more and more dependent on the power of Holy Spirit, to become less and less dependent on our own strength. I got to share, though, that I think that Sabbath is also a form of cultural resistance, that everything in our society declares that we need to produce more, to do more, to be more, and this production communicates our value. And, and Sabbath runs directly counter to this message, that our worth does not lie in how much we produce. Our worth rests solely with God. So friends, today I want to lead us in a prayer that helps to welcome us into a time of Sabbath to prepare our hearts to receive everything God wants to provide through this time together. So allow me to just pray this prayer over us today and allow these words to minister to your spirit. Lord of creation, create in us a new rhythm of life composed of hours that sustain rather than stress, of, of days that deliver rather than destroy, of time that trickles rather than tackles. Lord of liberation, by the rhythm of your truth, set us free from the bondage and baggage that break us, from the pharaohs and fellows who fail us, from the plans and pursuits that prey upon us. Lord of resurrection, May we be raised into the rhythm of your new life, dead to deceitful calendars, dead to fleeting friend requests, dead to the empty peace of our accomplishments. To our packed full planners, we say peace. To our over-caffeinated consciences, we say cease. To our suffocating selves, Lord, we ask that you would grant release. Drowning in a sea of deadlines, we rest in you our lifeline. By your ever restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath rest as your Sabbath rest enters into us. In the name of our creator, our liberator, our resurrection and life, we pray. Amen. It was a hot summer day, a lot like the ones that we've been experiencing here lately. And my brother and sister and I and some cousins, we had been out working hard on the little ranch that I grew up in in the desert southwest. Part of our 
everyday experience during the summer was to take a dip in my grandparents' great big above-ground pool. It was one of those pools that had a, an aluminum side and like a vinyl liner, and it had been hastily put up, but it provided hours and hours and hours of fun during the summer and a space to cool off in the Arizona heat. Now, on this particular day, I don't remember how old I was, but I was a fairly little kid, maybe, maybe around six years old or so. And uh, we, had been, we had been playing around in the pool when my grandfather introduced us to a brand new pool toy. It was a great big green inflated alligator, a lot like this one here. Now, what we all decided to do was all the kids pile on to this alligator made for two, now carrying about six different kids. And one of the adults decided that it would be hilarious to come up underneath the inflatable pool toy and knock all of the kids off into the, into the water. So I fell right off of the pool toy and into the water. And I don't know what I landed on, but I landed in such a way that all of the air got knocked out of me. And I remember being disoriented and having a hard time figuring out even where I was. I must have knocked my, my head and my back or something. And all of a sudden, I realized I didn't have any oxygen. I had no air. I started to panic and try to find my way up and out. And what was happening is that the people around me, they were still having fun and bouncing around and getting back on the alligator and back off of it. And grown-ups were throwing kids around. And it was sounded like even under the water at that moment, people were having a great time. But nobody seemed to realize I wasn't there. Now, I'm sure this actually was happening in a space of nanoseconds and not the minutes that it felt like to me at the time. But here's what had happened. I had gone from a moment of skimming across the surface of the waves on that great fun toy to suddenly feeling like I was drowning. I was being kicked and hit and the people who were supposed to notice that I was having trouble didn't. And even more so, they were making things worse. I kept getting stepped on and knocked around. And I remember as whatever age I was, six or whatever, being there unable to do anything about the circumstance I was in. Finally, I got enough strength and kind of pushed myself up as hard as I could and then came headfirst into the bottom of that stupid alligator toy. I thought, this is it. This is how the story ends. This is my life now. I was a dramatic six-year-old kid. Now, what, I'm, what I want you to know is that in just a matter of moments, when I thought it was going to be too late and I was seeing stars and starting to panic, the great big strong arms of my grandfather reached into the water, picked me up, and held me out. I remember the first breath that I took being the most rejuvenating thing I had ever experienced. And I think to this day is the most satisfying breath of air I've ever had. It was like in that moment, things came back to life for me. Today, we're stepping into a series of conversations called Rejuvenate. And it's an invitation for you and for me, in a very real sense, to take a breath of fresh air, to pause and find ourselves filled up with the goodness of life. The reason I shared that story at the beginning is because I think a lot of us can relate to that, to moments and spaces and places where things seem to be going great. We might be having a good time and something happens that knocks us off our sure footing. And then it feels as though we are drowning. And what's worse is that the people around us, the people who should notice that something's wrong, they don't. And they might even make things worse. 
We have all experienced that from time to time when it feels as though the stuff of life is crashing over us in waves. It might be things like the recent pandemic that we've experienced or being overwhelmed at work or at school or as a parent trying to figure out what it looks like to be a single parent or to manage marital crisis and challenge, to look at what it means to put food on the table and have time for everybody else and do all of the things that we're being invited into. And it just feels as though we're stuck under the waves and we wonder if anybody notices and if anybody's going to help. I think, again, we all come into spaces and places, moments like that, where we just feel like we're drowning and we would give anything for that moment of rescue where we can take a great fresh breath of air and realize that everything's going to be okay. And there's actually a moment in the life and teaching of Jesus where Jesus is speaking to those who first heard him about some of this very thing. Because you see, the ministry of Jesus took place in a time and a place where people were overwhelmed because of the waves crashing in over them in all kinds of different ways. The waves of poverty and oppression and being occupied by a military force. They were used and abused and they had been waiting for God to do impossible things and it felt like it was never going to happen. There were whole groups of people who felt like they had been lost and forgotten and alone and that the very people who were around them who should have seen that something was wrong and helped them into a different way, that they weren't seeing them. In fact, we're making things worse. So it's in this kind of context that all of a sudden we see Jesus interacting with the world around him. And in a moment, we're going to read what he has to say. But leading up to that moment, he actually addresses a series of towns around him. Towns and cities that he says, basically, you're going to have a bad day. You're going to have a really bad day because the Son of God and Son of Man has come. The one who is bringing rescue and restoration has come. The one who is bringing healing and resurrection has come. The one who can do miracles, who can position you to find that space, that freshness, that full breath of air, he's come and you've ignored him. You've cast him aside. So he addresses each of those places by name. And then he steps into a series of conversations or or of invitations, really, that we pick up in Matthew chapter 11. It says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus is basically saying, hey, when you see me at work, you are seeing God the Father. I'm the image of the invisible God. You are seeing the one who brings rescue and rest and rest and hope and life and that breath of life. And so then he says in verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
It's as if, in a sense, Jesus breaks out of the conversation and he says, hey, every single one of you who feels like you're drowning, all of you who feel like you're just getting beat up and it's, there's a lot of pressure to perform and you're wondering if anybody sees you or notices, I see you and I notice you. And guess what? I have come so that you can have a fullness of life and of rest. In fact, I just want you to hear these words spoken over you once more. In fact, I invite you wherever you are, unless you're, unless you're driving or something right now, go ahead and close your eyes and listen as these words of Jesus are spoken over you once more. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a very real invitation of Jesus from him for you and to us to step into a space of rejuvenation to be truly rejuvenated, not just in a moment, but in a lifestyle where we are full of life, rejuvenated, finding rest for our souls, is what Jesus said. So I wonder, why is it then that so many of us struggle to find that space of rest? Why is it that so many of us, if, if Jesus said, hey, come to me, and that's where you will find a kind of soul rest and a lightness of burden, if that's what the promise is, then how come so many of us find ourselves under such constant pressure? Well, we might feel each day in different circumstances like we're drowning. I think it's because we haven't always understood what the invitation is. So we're gonna spend just a few moments looking at this invitation of Jesus and seeing what it looks like for us to respond and how to receive the fullness of what he's offering here. So how can we be rejuvenated? How can we do that? The first thing that we see in this passage is that we respond to Jesus' sacred invitation. And his sacred invitation is this, come to me. Come to me, is what Jesus said, and there you will find these things. You see, an invitation given but not received is, is worthless. The invitation, the sacred invitation of Jesus to come to him only breathes the value and life to us if we accept it and take steps toward him. You see, I think it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, come to your echo chamber and, and kind of spew all of the stuff that's frustrating to them. He didn't say, come to Netflix and binge watch a season of The Office. He didn't say, come to the bag of Oreos and just like digest that thing. He didn't say, come to the thing that you do as a coping mechanism. Now, I'm not saying that any of those things are necessarily bad, but I do think that the invitation of Jesus is to come to him first. You see, when Jesus says, come to me, and then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and take my yoke upon you, Jesus is actually using language that first century teachers used all the time, where it was an invitation, a yoke was an invitation to take on the teaching and the authority and the worldview and the perspective and the purpose of that teacher. 
So Jesus, in a sense, is saying, hey, come to me and then follow in the path that I am leading you down. Come to me first. Come to me and experience these restful spaces, even as you intersect with the other stuff of life, even as you interact and and you do the things of life that are enjoyable and fun and, and full of life for you. Don't run to those things first. Come to me first. And when you come to me first, then you start to find an order for life, a perspective that helps you understand that no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what waves are crashing down on you, I have a way. In fact, Jesus would later say, I am the way. That there is this space of invitation. And you and I have to choose whether we'll respond to that or not, to the sacred invitation of Jesus to come to him to submit to him, to trust him. It's not by accident that Jesus interrupts the flow, it seems, of what's happening in the story with these words first, come to me. So how do we find rejuvenation? How are we rejuvenated? The first is that we respond to the sacred invitation of Jesus to come to him. And then... And then we see how we're supposed to do that, like the manner in which we're supposed to do that. Not only do we respond to that sacred invitation, come to me, but we respond as a child or as children. In fact, Jesus unpacks it just a little bit this way. He says, you have hidden all of these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. He is telling us that in order to really see and understand the invitation of Jesus, we have to look at him with eyes of trust and expectancy. I'm reminded of the first time that my daughter Jubilee received an invitation to a birthday party here in these cities, and she was so excited. It was an invitation to to a local skating rink, and I remember her telling me something like, I don't even know how to skate, and I'm so excited. She could not wait to say yes to this invitation and have a great time. I can't, I don't even know how to skate, I think she said it, but I'm going to have a great time. Now, what an incredible perspective. And it shows me the kind of response that you and I are invited to have as we receive the sacred invitation of Jesus, the sacred invitation to follow him, to let him be the one who leads us in the way of rest. We may not know all that's going to happen. We may not know all that's going to take place, but we know we can trust him. In fact, in the passage of scripture that we interacted with earlier, Jesus reminds us that he is revealing the Father, that when you've seen him, you've seen the Father. And if you've seen the Father, you've seen him. And it's this kind of strange back and forth interaction that is a reminder for us that Jesus is a different kind of leader, one that can be wholly trusted, one that leads us toward the way of life and fullness and, yes, rejuvenation. When every other system around us would seem to pressure us for more, would seem to demand more from us, Jesus actually invites us, not for what we produce, but for whose we are. That's what we start to see unpacked in just this quick little interaction with Jesus. That you and I, we're made for the kind of soul rest that is found in a leadership 
of Jesus, in following Jesus. This is where we find rejuvenation for ourselves. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he's standing in stark contrast with the other systems and teachers of his day. The ones that said, basically, you have to work really, really hard in order to please God. And if you don't do it, then his wrath and his, his judgment are going to come in spades. Jesus is saying, I think, I think you've missed some of the invitation there. And while that may be the system that you're used to, here's what I'm inviting you into. A space where you are loved and seen and not forgotten. And you can find rest for your souls. Yes, there is work to be done. Yes, there are things to do. The image of a yoke is actually of an of a agricultural burden to bear as we do good work together. But the kind of pursuit of Jesus that he's inviting us into is, he would say, the place that leads us to rest and rejuvenation. So when we find ourselves in those spaces where we feel as though we're under constant pressure, constant pressure to perform, constant pressure to do and be and have more, the constant pressure to prove our value and our worth. I hope that when those moments start to creep in for you, that you would hear the voice of Holy Spirit reminding you that Jesus sees you and he loves you as you are, that you don't have to prove your value to him, that you're so valuable to him that he died on the cross for you and for me. And there's nothing we can do to earn his love and his favor. There's nothing we can do to, to force his hand of purpose in our lives. We already have his purpose. We already have his love and his favor. But you see, one of the things that happens for us when we, when we don't receive the invitation as a child with hopeful expectation we can actually find ourselves trading the sacred space of invitation for the profanity of pressure. And here's what I mean by that. It's that when you and I feel like we're living under constant pressure to perform and achieve and do more, it leaks out of us. And then we start to have those same expectations of others. And we can, in relationship with our, with our kids or our families or those that we have close in connection to, we can start to interact act with them more out of what they produce than who they are. We can start to interact with them where we apply pressure to them to do more, achieve more, have more, give more. For what end? I don't know. You see, the difference between sacred invitation and profane pressure looks something like this. I think when it comes to interacting with those around us, a sacred invitation is this. It's saying, you are made for great and wonderful things. You bear the image of God. And I want to journey with you in seeing that called the fullness of life, in finding out the unique purpose that God has for you and the incredible ripple that he wants out of your life. Can we do that? Can we chase that down together? That is invitation. Pressure sounds an awful lot like this. Did you try your hardest? Is, is this the best that you could do? Because I know you can do better. I know that there's more in you. You see, the, the challenge for us is I think both of those conversations can actually come out of the same heart of, of wanting the best for somebody, of, of seeing goodness in them. But one comes out of the sacred space of invitation and one comes from the place of pressure. 
And I believe when, when Jesus is inviting us under his yoke and his leadership, he's actually inviting you and me to intentionally, purposefully be people of invitation and not of pressure. Now, we'll unpack more of that in continuing conversations. But here's the invitation that not only do we respond to Jesus' invitation of come to me, but we do so as a child with trust and innocence and love and expectation. And then, you see, we respond to that invitation intentionally. We respond intentionally. I, I want to invite you into, into three simple practices over the course of the next several weeks. Three simple things that, that I think if you respond to them out of Jesus' heart and invitation, not out of pressure to perform, but invitation to live and thrive and be be rejuvenated, it could change everything for you. So I'm, I'm going to invite you to take intentional steps of pursuit in the way of Jesus, of receiving the invitation that he's offered you. The first is this. I would invite you to find one minute every day, to carve one minute out every day where you're quiet. You turn off the notifications on your phone, you're not listening to music or a podcast, and, and you're not overwhelmed by the stuff of life. One single minute. Set your timer on your phone. And just be. Breathe. Listen. One minute a day. And see what God begins to speak to you about who you are and who he says you are and who he is and the sacred invitations that he has for you in your life, no matter what's going on around you. It can be a minute at the beginning of your day before you roll out of bed or maybe when you pull into your driveway after a long day of work or after you've dropped the kids off at school. Just find one minute and see what God does as you commit that one minute of silence to him. So that's one way to take an intentional step is giving one, one minute. The other invitation is this, to identify one scripture to meditate on throughout the week. And by that, I mean just one passage of scripture that, that you'll kind of keep at the forefront of your mind throughout the week. And again, ask Holy Spirit to use his word to speak to you about you and who he is. Yeah, I would suggest using the scripture that we've actually anchored in today. The one that says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does it look like to keep that before you, to, to read it once or twice a day and just see how it bubbles to mind throughout your week? So one minute a day, meditating on one scripture a week. And then this is the one that might take the most courage for some of us. It's, it's to say yes or to offer one meaningful invitation this week. To say yes to or to offer one meaningful invitation this week. And that could be something as simple as a party where you're connecting with others or it can be an invitation like we talked to before where you sit down across from somebody and say, man, I am convinced. I'm convinced that God is writing a great story in your life. And I want to be part of helping you chase after that. What can I do? How can I step into that with you? 
Maybe for you, the one invitation that you respond to this week is the one from the heart of Jesus that says, I have made you for so much more than you can ask or imagine. I've made you to find the space of constant soul rejuvenation and out of the overflow of that to chase after the goodness of who I am. And so I'm inviting you to receive me as the one who brings you to life, who forgives you and leads you. Maybe maybe the one invitation for you this week is to say yes to Jesus and his rest and rescue. Whatever it is, I encourage you, find, find one minute a day, one scripture to meditate on, and one invitation to offer or receive. And see what God does as you do that, convinced of the sacred invitation of Jesus to move into that space of fullness of life and rejuvenation. Now, on that summer day, all those years ago, the very first thing that my grandpa did after he picked me up out of the water was, believe it or not, to set me back on that dumb, terrible, awful alligator. I had seen him do it with me before when I had fallen off of horses and things like that, where he wanted me to be assured that everything was going to be okay, but I needed to get back on and ride. And so he picked me right back up and set me back on that thing. And he invited me to continue to play and have fun. But he assured me that he would be right there with me as I did that. You see, I think for some of us, when it comes to the stuff of life, the spaces where we felt like we're drowning and we wonder if anybody sees or cares, that we are surprised when God allows us to experience a breath of fresh air and then says, my invitation to you is to be in that space with the people around you, but now to do it having, having received the invitation I offer you. You see, for me, it was okay. Because even though I was a a little afraid, I knew that my rescuer was there and he was going to keep me safe. I think there's part of that invitation for me and for you. To understand that rejuvenation doesn't mean taking a step back from all of the things, but actually being fully present with Jesus and one another, knowing that our rescuer is with us and that he invites us to have the fullness of life that he offers to enjoy what's around us, to be part of the community and fellowship within what's around us and experience fresh and new ways of living as Jesus and seeing him live in us. Friend, I don't know where it is that you feel like you're drowning today, but I know this. I know that Jesus sees you. I know that he is reaching out to you and that he is inviting you into the space of rejuvenation. It doesn't have to be the same today as it was yesterday. Will you say yes to that invitation and chase after his goodness together? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Spirit, we're so grateful for your invitation. Your invitation, Jesus, where you said, come to me. I pray for my friends right now that they would know what their invitation is in that, what it looks like for them to come to you, to come to you first, to trust you first, to step into the work and goodness that you are doing and there find rest for their souls. 
Lord, we ask you to show us where we've been, where we've been pursuing the second best things as though they're most important. Lord, we think that's maybe where we've, where we've felt some of the most pressure. We ask you to lead us in your way, to take your yoke and burden upon us with expectancy and hope. So lead us in that way, we pray. We ask that with expectancy and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. You unravel me with melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called my name I've been born again Into your family Your blood flows through my veins You're not so useless Glove of death tomorrow your soul, behold, they Ya no soy un esclavo del temor. Your soul, behold, they I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Oh, I'm no longer a slave to fear No, I am a child of God
Run for cover But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power But the miracle that I just can't get over My name is registered in heaven Yeah, my praise belongs to you forever This is my testimony from death to life Whose grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Together sons and daughters Bought with blood and washed in water Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father Our God will finish what He started Yes, our God will finish what He started This is my testimony from death to life Cause grace rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony not dead and you're not done greater things still to come oh I believe if I'm not dead and you're not done greater things still to come oh I believe if I'm not dead and you're not done greater things still to come oh I believe I'm not dead and you're not done Greater things are still to come Oh, I believe This is my testimony 
From death to life Cause Christ rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony Oh, I'm alive This is my testimony From death to life Cause Christ rewrote my story I'll testify By Jesus Christ the righteous I'm justified This is my testimony This is my testimony Heritage Church, thank you so much for joining us for worship today. Before you go, I just wanted to let you know that our learning and support groups will be launching the week of September 13th. I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com or the Church Center app to register for them. There are some great support group options like grief share or divorce care. There's also a few learning group options as well, such as Louis Giglio's Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table or an Old Testament study that helps demystify the culture and the customs from the Old Testament. And there's also a few other options for you to look at. The series we just started today was called Rejuvenated. And as we continue in this series, I invite you to find one practice of rest and rejuvenation this week. For me, that's going hiking at a Linoic Forest Preserve. I go and I put in some headphones and I just hike and it's incredibly rejuvenating for me. There's times that I struggle to get myself to go, but no matter what, I always leave feeling better physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We know from scripture that God loves the heart of a cheerful giver, but I wanted to let you know that your radical generosity has enabled us to invest $5,000 in emergency relief for Haiti. And there's more to come on how we're intersecting with the needs in Afghanistan. If you have a question or a prayer request, please go to heritageqc.com connect. We'll see you next week.